The opinions and suggestions expressed on the following program are solely those of the participants and not necessarily endorsed by program sponsors or any radio station, media company, or platform broadcasting this program. The following program is a product of Causeway LLC. The information in this broadcast is not intended as investment, tax, or financial advice. Matthew Moore is not a licensed investment advisor and speaks solely from his experience and opinions. All information in this broadcast is for entertainment or educational purposes only. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and the company or platform broadcasting this program is not responsible for the success or failure of any person's investment decisions or purchases. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and the company or platform broadcasting this program makes no and expressly disclaims all representations, warranties, and guarantees with respect to this broadcast and its sponsors. Investing in any market is inherently risky and can be financially dangerous. Invest at your own risk. Government officials Welcome to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore, the Bitcoin-focused radio show that's waking the masses to the fiat money Ponzi scheme. Money is changing and your freedom is at stake. So stick around and learn how to empower yourself for this new digital age. Now, here's your host, Matthew J. Moore. Welcome, America, and welcome, world. No matter where you are or who you are or what you're doing, I want to welcome every single one of you Bitcoin lovers, newbies, and hey, possibly even experts. I don't know. I don't know if you're a, a Bitcoin expert, but we still welcome you. In fact, uh, Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore is one of the only radio shows in America that is dedicated to that subject known as Bitcoin, blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, all the wonderful things that this technology is going to do to disrupt the world. And in fact, you know, when you listen to this show, whether it's online or whether it's on the radio, you're going to hear topics like liberty and freedom and technology and energy and just this idea of digital scarcity and this idea of digital sovereignty and, and what does that mean to be decentralized? What, a, what does a decentralized world look like? Well, we cover all of those things. And in fact, today we're going to cover a topic that we have yet to cover. And that's why I'm excited about the topic and our guest. And, uh, and, the, and you know, blockchain technology is going to touch so many aspects of the world. And in fact, it, if you think about it, whether it's your healthcare, whether it's the medical industry, pharmaceuticals, you, there's a lot of things that probably come to mind when you think about those things. But the one thing that is most certain is that there's always a demand, right? And in my opinion, through experience, uh, health is wealth. And a lot of times we have to be proactive. And so I'm really interested to see where blockchain technology in this industry takes or adds to the medical field and in the healthcare industry. And, and our guest today is going to be a doctor who can really speak to this uh, because not only is she knowledgeable in this current healthcare system and, and, and the idea of medicine, but also blockchain technology. She's super passionate about it. And I'm going to let her do a lot of explaining here in just, just a moment, because I think our future looks really, really bright when it comes to a marriage of these two things. Um, but I need to give a proper shout out to my producer, Brian LaRue. That's right. If you've listened to this show before, you know, our awesome intros, outros, the great sound that is produced. It's because of my awesome producer, Brian LaRue. Now, unfortunately he is not here today and I'm having to man the soundboard, but if you're a musician, maybe you're a podcaster, maybe you want to be on the radio just like us, well, you can go find him at beyondyouproductions.com. He's extremely talented. He'll take care of you. He knows how to take it from A to Z. So um, great hire. Don't regret it at all. Go check him out, beyondyouproductions.com. Okay, today in studio, we have Dr. Brigetta Pineski. 
And uh, she, like I said, is passionate about blockchain technology, what it has the potential to do when it comes to healthcare, uh, medicine. Uh, but doctor, before we kind of dive into the, the nuts and bolts and the weeds of things, I really want you to paint a picture of who you are and what you do, because quite frankly, there's probably going to be a lot of people who have no idea who, who you are. In fact, they probably don't know who I am, but let's just, let's give them a proper introduction of uh, what you do and why you do it. Well, thank you so much for having me, Matthew. I'm excited to be here. As you mentioned, I'm a physician by trade. I'm actually CEO and founder of a company called Block Health, and we currently advise companies and startups in the blockchain space. Um, I also work with an incubator and accelerator out of San Francisco and San Diego called Nextcubed, though I'm based in Portland, Oregon. Okay, so do you make a lot of trips down there, I take it, or is it all uh, digital meetings? Um, mostly digital now, of course, uh -huh. since COVID, we've all <laughs> moved <laughs> to the remote model. That is so true. That is so true. All right, well, Dr. Paninsky, it's it's often, you know, when I'm in this space, I don't typically run into people like yourself who have the the focus and the specialty and, and, and knowledge base that you do. And, and, and so I, when it comes to medical doctors and, and this blockchain, uh, space, first and foremost, how, how often do you run into people who are in the same field as you, who are passionate about what you're doing? So not, not that often, of course. And, um, I think each of us have a you know, our unique pathway <laughs> to this world. And, and mine started with the fact that you know, I was trained in primary care with obstetrics. And so I thought that if we just did those nine months of pregnancy and, and labor and delivery correctly, we would be launching our babies off to 100 years of good health. Unfortunately, that was very untrue and uh, really made me sit up straight and realize that the world has changed dramatically because of the technology at our disposal. And so our um, biological operating systems actually have no idea what's going on on the planet. We're still operating with a, you know, a cellular matrix that thinks we are living uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, and those conditions no longer exist. And so with uh, seeing patients one by one, it was very clear that, especially in teens, they are experiencing a very sensitive hormonal time called puberty, for which you know, older generations paid no attention. We went in one end and out the other and paid no attention to anything at any time. And I, I kind of call the older generations the last of the accidentally well, where they didn't necessarily earn or deserve their, their health um, outcomes, but it was just a, a function of the time at which they were born. And we see that now with more and more refined carbs, you know, increasing uh, sedentary behavior, um, our um, active employment moving mostly to knowledge employment, we, we see amazing changes. And especially in uh, times such as this very hormonally sensitive time called puberty. You know, I thought it took four decades of suboptimal lifestyle to give you diabetes, heart disease, or stroke. But what our teenagers are teaching us today is that just four years of a hormonally altered puberty, you can irreversibly put yourself towards very early onset of those really, um, you know, health impairing diseases such as heart disease, diabetes, and stroke. So 
Bottom line, we're no longer accidentally well. There's no population in the future that will ever be accidentally well again. And so we need technology to assist us as biological beings to understand what exactly is wellness, what is human thriving, and how do we enable and provide those co-occurrences for each of us to reach our full health potential. And so do you see blockchain technology as being part of that equation uh to i guess answering that problem i mean we've got we've got the we got the problem and we got a potential solution is blockchain technology in your opinion from what you've seen and what you've studied could play a big part in that oh absolutely because i think that you know where we are today we've we've sort of had we've built all these industries pre-internet and now we have this place where the internet is evolving and becoming more and more functional. And historically it would have been impossible to ask people to manage their health effectively because it would just be too, way too much of a tech burden. You, you know, uh, we, we wouldn't be comfortable managing our health information, our images and, and other details about the minutia of our lives. But at the end of the day, what we see currently is industry is you know, sort of forced to do this on our behalf, which leaves us as just visitors to our own health data in various, um, you know, various silos across the healthcare system. And that, of course, is fraught with difficulty, both for ourselves as individuals and for ourselves as groups trying to, um, you know, tease out what really matters for whom at what time. We don't have that ability to see kind of publicly the 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 health expression of folks like us such that we can learn from each other's experiences rather than having to reinvent the wheel by ourselves i think that's a great point i mean as somebody as myself who at an early age uh you know battled to find healing when it came to autoimmune disorders and even just the hormonal order uh, disorders i mean i think i was 25 when it was absolutely necessary for me to start doing uh, testosterone replacement therapy. And it's like all the health battles that I've experienced and the successes and the victories that I, I have received a lot of times has been through a, I mean, trial and error, but also, you know, with helpful guidance from many doctors. But, um, you know, I really had to apply myself and really do some research and see what other people were doing um, that have, were in similar situations and what kind of results they saw. And I guess, it, you know, you could say it's kind of anecdotal, but I, I really, I've had a wonderful experience, you know, cross-referencing. And so you're telling me that with blockchain technology, there is a public aspect to this information uh, and also a level of authenticity and security uh, but also the ability to share when we need to share it. I mean, how do you see that kind of unfolding? Yeah, no, exactly as you described, you know, and you re remind me of um, the way most of us are, live our lives today, which is basically with hope. We hope, A, we don't get ill, and B, if we do get ill, we hope that healthcare will be available to help us. Uh, it's great that you were able to, parse together a solution for yourself. But I mean, uh, I, I think of others, Steve Job comes to mind, you know, hope is not a strategy. It, would it have been possible for Steve to have understood that he was in a lane that allowed him the opportunity or the possibility of a future that included pancreatic cancer? A lot of pancreatic cancer is sporadic, which means we can't blame our, our parents for um, the fact that this might show up. 
And uh, today, our healthcare is remains so blunt. We use populations to define and deliver in health intelligence. But of course, none of us exists as a population. And so we don't have an opportunity to really understand the minutiae of the details behind a, a specific health trajectory. And we certainly don't have the ability to understand uh, whether that minutiae is putting us at risk for something as significant as you know, pancreatic cancer. And so what we're seeing with blockchain in other industries is this ability to finally organize in sort of an infinite capacity the tiny details associated with a particular track. And so, you know, you can think of this in terms of supply chain being one of the obvious first um, use cases for blockchain. But think of our li lives health trajectory as also a trajectory that involves a minutia of details, which would have been, you know, painfully difficult for us to try to organize ourselves historically. But now we have more apps and devices that's making it infinitely easier to track things like sleep and movement. Even nutrition is becoming easier to track. And imagine if we were able to understand our trajectories according to this minutia, we could move healthcare away from what it currently delivers, which is just average to everybody, right? When we do, when we use populations to deliver clinical guidelines, then that means that each of us are going to be offered an, av an average outcome. Um, but again, nobody wants average. We all want optimal. Yeah, and sure. the only way to access optimal is to have access to the minutiae that allowed a handful of folks to actually reach optimal outcomes. Imagine if you're diagnosed with cancer, the last thing you want is an average outcome. Right? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't know what your opinion is on this, but it's like, you know, from my understanding, it's like, even with the, the hormone journey that I went on, you know, they were, you know, some, some doctors will be like, oh yeah, your total testosterone is 300. You're, you're totally fine. And I'm like, but I'm 25 and I don't think that's probably the average of a 25 year old, maybe for an 80 year old. Uh, but you know, like I want to feel optimal, you know, like, and so how are they taking that data? How are they making those conclusions? But I, I, I really, I, I when it comes to the medical industry, the healthcare industry at, at large, you know, we talk a lot about these concepts as web one, web two, web three, and the differences between those. And, and we might have you discuss the difference there, but how is blockchain technology going to take us and our health and, and, and our um, healthcare to, to this new place? Like how is it, how is blockchain technology going to take us to web three? Can you explain that? Sure. So let, let's start with web one, right? Web one is what we call the worldwide web, the first internet internet that showed up that allowed all of us to have access to the same information. But instead of seeing it on, a, you know, in a book or in a newspaper, we could look at it on the screen. And uh, the beauty of web one was was universal. Anybody with an internet connection would have access to the same uh, sort of wealth of information. But then what happened with Web 2 is we increased the functionality of Web 1 such that we could now do commerce and websites. And what happened immediately is that now you were creating this massive asymmetry where companies are different than individuals and companies can take advantage of websites and commerce to a much greater degree than individuals can. 
and the hope with Web3, blockchain, and, uh, and a sort of cluster of new technologies, or you might think of it as um, you know, taking an internet that was half-baked before and now fully baking it with mathematical fortification of all of these uh, new technologies, bringing us to a place where individuals can now behave somewhat on par with companies. So reducing that asymmetry so that we as individuals can very easily manage our digital footprint, provide you know, authorizations and permissions for our digital information to be used in ways in which we would like it to be used. And that there are built-in audit trails so that the um, requests or the authorizations that are made can be verified to have uh, you know, transacted in the way in which we have uh, defined in the beginning. And so I think that's the best way to understand Web3 is that it's this wonderfully, um, call it organizing software that allows individuals to take control of their digital footprint and to begin to participate both economically as well. You know, we have a handful of companies in the U.S. that uh, transacts on our data on a regular basis, and they have amazing market caps. Uh, now, with a Web3 future, there's an opportunity for individuals to also not just, uh, you know, organize the minutia of their lives, but use that minutia as an economic asset for themselves and as they participate in various, you know, personal data marketplaces. So you're you're talking about a future here where instead of taking this 30,000 foot broad average, you know, blanket all approach to to medicine, we're getting very more we're we're, we're um, getting to a place where this technology is going to allow some unique individualism, customization, you know, and and obviously this this data will be cross-referenced eventually, but where where is the timeline? Are we are we talking about a major transformation in how we do things? like the next year, the next 20 years? How do you see this unfolding? So much like the way in which Bitcoin unfolded, right? Bitcoin didn't do anything to finance. It just sort of showed up on the side. And so I see a future where we begin to have the pieces of what I talk about in, in my book, a uh, three zone model, where each of us have these three zones that we operate in. The first zone being home base, a place where we basically store and manage our personal health data and other, you know, call it your personal life data in your home base. And then operating on top of your home base is zone two, which is a sort of perpetually on uh, universal and um, benevolent AI. There's no IP here at all. It's non-rivalrous in every way. And uh, it just serves up correlations on demand. But the, some of these correlations can be authorized to move into zone three. Zone three is that commercial layer. So any kind of think company group that is interested in your data in the context of other people's data, that would be, you know, companies, governments, uh, researchers, et cetera, in zone three. And that would be the place where we would add scientific rigor to these correlations to expose causal relationships that will underpin new products and services. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I think that that's how it's going to evolve. It's not going to be, you know, a single blockchain. There'll be multiple uh, opportunities for Ethereum, Solana, Near, and others to participate. 
And we see this already happening in, um, you know, the Global Business Blockchain uh, Council led by Sandra Rowe. They're putting together a token taxonomy and standards for blockchain to use transglobally. And here in the U.S., we have the USBC with led by Ari Yu also um, looking at standards in this space. I love it. I love it. Well, we have to go to break real quick. Am I... Am I butchering it? Am I painting a good picture here? Are we on track? Yes. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll be right back with more. Stay put. You don't want to miss it. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national healthcare alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-262-0318. 800-262-0318. What does it mean to be physically, spiritually, and financially free? The right to life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness, these were the ideas that made America. But what happens to these ideas when America's money becomes compromised. What do you do when the very thing that you're working for day after day is fundamentally designed to enslave you? Whether it was a conspiracy or not, you won't believe what is about to happen in this country. Arm yourself today with the truth and build your life on the foundations for liberty. Rediscover freedom in the 21st century and grab a copy of my Amazon best-selling book, Foundations for Liberty. For just $11.99, you can support this radio show by finding a copy on Amazon or by going to mattjmore.com. Again, that's mattjmore.com. Don't wait, because freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. In times of economic uncertainty and chaos, your money means nothing. You may not even be able to get it from your bank or ATM. And the money you do have in the stock market will go down and down. What you can bank on is gold and silver. Gold and silver have been a reliable and trusted form of currency for thousands of years. Gold and silver have never been worth zero, and typically gold holds its value during economic turmoil. Call the gold hotline now and learn how to protect your money and your assets with gold and silver. And learn how to set up a new IRA or roll over your current one into a gold-backed IRA. Protect your money from the next market crash with gold and silver. Call now for your free gold guide. 800-795-3441. All right. Welcome back, America. We are in round two of America's Bitcoin-focused radio show. And that's right. We talk about things like Bitcoin as well. Things like blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, the wonderful world 
that's literally going to change so much of our lives and it's going to touch every part of our lives in my personal opinion. And I just want to welcome you guys because you're going to learn a lot. Every single time we do this show, you're going to learn about things like history and energy and technology and money. And now today, even the medical field. I mean, we've got a professional here, a doctor, a medical doctor who is here, not only knowledgeable in her, uh, profession, but also is passionate and understanding of where blockchain technology is taking us and her industry uh, as well. So uh, I want to go ahead and get this interview rolling, keep things going. And in fact, um, our guest today, her name is Dr. Brigetta Pinetsky, and uh, she is with an organization called Block Health. Now, now, because this is radio and we got people tuning in all the time, I, I would love for you to be able to do an introduction in your own words and just share with the people who are just now turning in, tuning in, what is, it, what is it that you do? Oh, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, we are, of course, are we doing the introduction again? Yeah, I mean, well, no, I just like, you know, we got people tuning in. So it's like, you know, you never know if somebody's just on the road, like just let people know um, who you are and what you do real quick. Oh, sorry about that. No, you're good. Yes. As Matt mentioned, I'm a physician by trade. I'm CEO and founder of Block Health. We advise uh, startups and companies regarding health tech and AI strategy. I'm based in Portland, Oregon, and I also work with a group called NextCube out of San Francisco and San Diego. I love it. Well, we didn't, you know, the one thing that we didn't get to do last segment was you have written a book. And, you know, we obviously, we've been unpacking the subject matter today, which is blockchain technology, basically disrupting uh, the medical industry. But talk a little bit about your book. What is it? What is your book about? Yeah, so the book is called Wealthcare, uh, Demystifying Web3 and the Rise of Personal Data Economies. And it seeks to be a sort of 101 or a primer for folks new to that intersection of blockchain and healthcare because sometimes I speak to my colleagues and say, hey, I'm interested in Web3 and how, uh, the transformation of healthcare. And I get the question, well, what is Web3? <laughs> and so this is an opportunity for individuals to really have a case-based description of you know, where the world is today but, and where it could be with uh, this technology transformation that we're just at the beginning of. Uh, so it uses a lot of real life examples of families and individuals and their interactions with the healthcare ecosystem and how, uh, and then repaints them in, in a brush that uses this futuristic technology and makes it very easy, I think, for people to understand why this matters and why it matters now. Well, and we've talked last segment, we talked a little bit about how this is going to bring um, more uh, control expression on an individual level than, than say, let's just say a large blanket, um, approach to, you know, healthcare and taking care of people. But, um, what does this do? Like, as far as the current systems in place, do you see, well, we talked about how this idea is, it's not necessarily making the old one, uh, just go away overnight. It's like, just kind of over here, like Bitcoin did, let's just create a better money and people will eventually migrate over to it because it's going to be more efficient, effective. It's going to be just better and people are going to like it. Like first and foremost, short answer is that's a correct assumption, right? Oh yeah, exactly. We're, this is not about, you know, ripping and replacing anything. It's more along the lines of providing an opportunity for folks to do things differently and to 
finally um, have a technology that supports them in managing the minutia of their lives such that it's not an overburden in any way. And then for the first time, giving them an opportunity to participate in the economic success of their health data and other data attributes. And interestingly, um, A16Z, you know, Andreessen Horowitz put out a paper uh, about a year ago talking about the biggest company in the world. That would be a, um, you know, consumer obsessed healthcare company, which makes a lot of sense since the, you know, this industry uses up 20% of GDP. It's a big industry. And, and so I see this technology as enabling that that description uh, the article doesn't give us many details about what that company would look like and so i think the book does a better job of explaining how uh, we would enable this mass migration or mass participation of individuals in in terms of managing not just their health but their health data and moving us to a world of health intelligence that is suddenly amazingly individually specific not the average healthcare that we're offering to everybody today. Yeah, and, and so you sort of see happening already in some places. And and I and I I want to I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. But what are you what are you gonna what what do you tell people who are skeptical? Whether they're just the the average Joe or maybe they're a medical professional. Maybe they think this blockchain stuff is just a fad. What do you, what do you say to them? Well, I think there's there's just too much. Well, I think we had a disruption. Well, it, go, hey, can you repeat it, that one more time? We had a disruption in our signal. Just go ahead and uh, repeat that one more time. Okay. I said it, it's impossible to ignore because there's just too much opportunity in this tech mess mix. And I think opportunity, of course, for some people that equates with financial opportunity. So there's not just a huge financial opportunity, but of course also a huge health opportunity. And that's why the book's called uh, wealth care. Uh, and I think that what we're seeing is, I mean, look at the adoption rates of things like chat GTP. Um, AI is an amazing forcing function uh, that is redefining what we call adoption and re- redefining what we call sort of product market fit in ways that are going to enable these technologies to happen much faster and on a much more aggressive timeline than we anticipated previously. Do you have a, do you, and see, I, was, I mean, as far as AI goes with AI, like how does AI fall into the picture of this with, with, you know, medical stuff and the blockchain technology? Yeah. And it sort of fits in that model that we were talking about earlier, the three zone model, right? Each of us have this uh, digital representation of ourselves in our home base upon which we can operate as zone two, which is a benevolent, uh, non-rivalrous, continuous correlation AI that will help understand which pieces of the minutia of our lives are important and why, and compare that to other individuals that are have similar cra- uh, traits or uh, share similar goals as ourselves. So we see this, for instance, in high-performance athletes where they are already tracking their p- performance using devices and apps and um, managing uh, an opportunity to learn from each other and set each other's um you know, thresholds. It's crazy that you and I have the exact same threshold for lipids. Yeah. For instance, HDL, LDL, triglyceride. 
And yet none of that has anything to do with what's optimal for you or me. It just has to do with whether I can give you a medication or not today. And so this opportunity to use AI to understand us to the tune of, you know, hundreds of thousands of parameters will enable a future where we'll have very individually specific thresholds that allow us to achieve optimal throughout the decades of our lives. Which is an interesting uh, concept and idea because, you know, uh, as somebody who has gone through a health journey himself, I often have many doctors that I work with and whether it's, you know, an integrative doctor, whether it's, uh, you know, a specialist in in some kind of, uh, you know, care, whether it be a GI doctor or something like that, or, um, you know, even just your naturopathic, Hey, you know, like let's talk about nutrition and supplements, you know, like what can be max maximized and beneficial and all these things. Like how does this technology, this world, whether it be blockchain technology, AI, how do these worlds communicate with each other? Because oftentimes, you know, whether it's allopathic medicine, integrative, natural, whatever, like all of these systems, they don't really talk to each other. Am I, am I wrong? Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's, that's the issue. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why this three zone model makes sense. If we, the individual are custody, our own health data, then regardless of which position you go to, that information can be stored on your home base in a, you know, med medically or medical grade way such that when you go to another physician in a different system, you'll be able to pull up your information that was done uh, at another site and not be forced to reproduce or, or redo tests that have already been done. Yeah, because how many times, I mean, I'm guilty of it. How many times did you go into a, a situation, a doctor's office, a new doctor's office, and they got you filling out all this paperwork? And, and you know, they're not going to have the new records anyways. And then sometimes you might check a box and you're like, eh, that one doesn't apply this time. You know, whatever. Like, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be great for such a world to exist. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the very tip of the iceberg of the possibility. Uh, I think what we really want to emphasize is that the level of health intelligence, opp the opportunity is huge. So for instance, we have many individuals today who have genetic markers, you know, as we get better and better at highlighting which genetic markers are associated with which disease, we still have folks, for instance, with um, breast cancer markers for whom at least, you know, half of those individuals are not going to get breast cancer, but we don't know why. And the current model is not going to be able to parse out why that is the case. But we as individual custodians of massive amounts of minutia with respect to our lives and uh, utilizing, you know, powerful AI, that's a real small ask for an AI to answer. Okay, give me a, a few thousand parameters or, uh, across a large population, and I'll be able to pull out at least the correlations that seem to make sense for why these individuals are not expressing a cancer that seems to be written in their genetic code. Sure. And that's the type of intelligence that we should expect to live by in the future. Well, how, I guess that brings me to my question here. How, how do you see governments preparing for this new healthcare system? I mean, will there be any pushback by players or industries? I mean, we talked about, you know, just kind of going over here, kind of creating a better system that just attracts people. But what's, what do you think is government's response going to be? 
So I think interestingly, you know, this kind of mass participation model is uh, aligns well with a sort of future dream state for most of the big stakeholders, be they government, payers, providers, researchers. I mean, even Amazon, Google, Meta, Apple, they, this model will give us an opportunity to finally co-create the training data that we need in order to utilize AI to its full potential. The problem is right now our um, data coffers are, are not optimal. I mean, look at the electronic medical record. That's not a health record. That's a disease management record and a, you know a billing record at best. And you can't back engineer health from disease data. And so I think um, this future of mass participation where it's safe, secure, and uh, very privacy preserving to look after the minutiae of your past and use that to be able to look into the future is something that will allow governments to do a much better job of understanding you know, what are the ground truths for the communities which I govern. And uh, having that community have this very strong digital voice that that can um, help governments evaluate what's working and what's not working in their jurisdiction will be very, very useful. Well, we got a couple minutes before we have to run to another break, but uh, what um, what's your number one worry um, as far as when all this stuff kind of comes together? So, <laughs> interestingly, the, the same answer. My number one worry currently is the government because we seem to have some players and some policymakers with fractional understanding of the possibilities that as, want to enable policies that will put the brakes on or significantly hinder the opportunity to move forward with these types of technologies, uh, be they crypto, blockchain, or otherwise. And so th that's my number one worry is that the policy in, uh, you know, gets ahead of itself before it fully understands and um, is able to offer, um, you know, an opportunity to move safely towards this future without um, it's unnecessary interference. We'd hate for the U.S. to be blocked out of this type of innovation. Yeah, I mean, we and here we got about two minutes before I got to go to break here. But I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I don't care whether somebody's right or left. I don't care what side of the aisle they are on. But I mean, to your point, it's like, there is a push in Congress right now where it's like, no, you can, you know, we don't want you to be self custodian of let's say your Bitcoin. Will will there be a pushback about no, we don't want you to be the self custodian of your own health data? Like, is that could that be possible? So that's currently uh, not a big risk in that we have the 21st Century Cures Act already, and that dictates that we as individuals are um, owners of our health data and that healthcare industry does uh, need to supply to us as individuals our um, medical records as requested in some version, you know, a digital version that works for that individual. So right now, I think government is great in terms of the healthcare industry and um, recognizing the individual as having access to that data. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Well, guys, um, we're going to go to break here real quickly uh, here in a couple minutes. But uh, um, just one final question. Uh, do you just to remind people, tell them where they can find your book. 
So the book Wealth Care, Demystifying Web3 and the Rise of Personal Data Economies is available on Amazon. You know, just Google Wealth Care and Brigitta and it'll show up. It's also available on Alexandria Labs or OpenSea as an NFT. So again, if you just Google Wealth Care NFT, that'll come up for you as well. What about Twitter? Are you on Twitter? Can they follow you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm not that active on Twitter, but uh, I'm there at WealthCare Web3. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been this has been really really fascinating, and and I've got a, a whole lot more questions to to throw your way. But I just want to let you guys know if you're listening to this show, whether it's online, uh, maybe you're listening on the radio, call up a friend, tell them to tune in, send them a link to this because I think this is very pertinent information, information that uh, we need to be aware of because the world is changing and not only is Bitcoin changing the world, but blockchain technology is going to change the way that we possibly do healthcare. And uh, you want to be ready for that because uh, that could symbolize some, some really big shakeups, some really big things. But to me, talking to our guest, it sounds like it could be a highly highly exciting world. So stay put. We're going to go to break and we'll be right back. I've got more wonderful conversation and questions to throw our guest. Be right back. If you're the kind of person that likes to drive a lot and your car is a little older and out of the normal warranty, keep listening. What's going on underneath the hood of your car? If your car is out of warranty, you're at risk of expensive repair bills. Now, for a couple of dollars a day, you can get an extended protection plan for your car. You love your car, so why not give it a little extra care and make sure if something goes wrong, your bank account is safe. Literally, for a couple of dollars a day, you can give yourself peace of mind that you've purchased a top-tier vehicle repair coverage plan. Call the Auto Protection Network right now and ask how you could save an additional $500 on your policy. 800-987-0618. 800-987-0618. That's 800-987-0618. Come on. You watch the news, be prepared to pay more taxes. Then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you. With the power to collect taxes by any means they want to. Hey, they can freeze your bank account, your passport, even padlock your business. <laughs> Good times. Look, if the IRS claims you owe them 5000 or more in back taxes and they're coming after you, don't panic. Call my friends at Get a Tax Lawyer first. Their job is to negotiate with the IRS and save you money. They're experts at it. That's all they do. And you can trust them. In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than $1,000. If you owe the IRS $5,000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. What does it mean to be physically, spiritually, and financially free? The right to life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness, these were the ideas that made America. But what happens to these ideas when America's money becomes compromised? What do you do when the very thing that you're working for day after day is fundamentally designed to enslave you? Whether it was a conspiracy or not, you won't believe what is about to happen in this country. 
Arm yourself today with the truth and build your life on the foundations for liberty. Rediscover freedom in the 21st century and grab a copy of my Amazon best-selling book, Foundations for Liberty. For just $11.99, you can support this radio show by finding a copy on Amazon or by going to mattjmore.com. Again, that's mattjmore.com. Don't wait, because freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Welcome back, America. Welcome back, world. That's right. This is uh, round three, ding, 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 of America's Bitcoin-focused radio show. Uh, one of the only, probably in the world, honestly, but uh, we do double as a podcast. And if you uh, miss this show and you want to check us out, you can go to mattjmore.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all over the place. In fact, uh, we're hard to miss, but I, I do want to say that uh, today's conversation, today's guest has been a, quite a doozy in a good way um, because we've not covered the topic that we've been talking about today, and that is how blockchain technology is going to disrupt how we do healthcare, how we do medicine, how even possibly we maybe practice medicine. I don't know, but uh, there, you know, she's had a, a lot of great answers, and um, her name is Dr. Brigetta Pineski, and uh, she's been super passionate about what is taking place in her profession, but also with blockchain technology, how that's going to apply, and even artificial intelligence. How does that play a part in it? So um, we have had a wonderful conversation, but uh, I'm going to, you know, since this is a shorter segment, I'm going to go ahead and dive into, into the questions. Um, doctor, welcome back to the show. Uh, how do you think we're doing so far? Are we covering these topics the way you think we should be? Yep. Great job. Thanks okay. so much, Matthew. Good, 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 good. Well, this has been, this has been a blast. Uh, tell people one more time who you're with. So, uh, I'm CEO and founder of Block Health. And we advise startups and companies regarding health tech and AI strategy based in Portland, Oregon. Also work with a group called NextCubed in San Francisco and San Diego. That's an accelerator and um, incubator for early stage health tech startups. Well, okay. I love the quote, health is wealth. And I'm sure you probably uh, uh, agree with that statement. And that's probably part of why you're doing this mission here. But uh, let's talk about what you, as a medical professional, as a doctor, as somebody who's passionate about this space, blockchain technology, what do you want to be known for? Essentially, like what, what do you want your contribution to be as this kind of new future unfolds? Uh, I think as a pioneer in this space of, you know, it was kind of level setting the fact that uh, we have this technology paradox. We have so much technology and such massive advancements in technology, and yet healthcare seems to be riddled with this inability to move forward. And uh, so I think it would be great to be known as one of those people that made it easy to take the first step and the second step and the third step uh, by, you know, spending the time to provide a narrative that multidisciplinary stakeholders can use to come to the same table and have conversations of what would the future look like if in fact we were able to enable a world where no health experience went to waste. Today, so much of us have, uh, you know, very complex health experiences that would benefit each other to prevent others from having, you know, the same sorts of mishaps or missteps. 
And yet uh, we don't do that because in our current internet, uh, you know, the web two that we talked about earlier, it's not easy, safe or secure to do those things. But uh, now moving towards a more of a web three future, that is a possibility, again, speaking to this rapid pace at which technology moves forward, the possibility exists. And uh, so hopefully I'll be remembered as one of those that, uh, you know, made those steps easier for multidisciplinary stakeholders to participate and, and be actively pursuing these types of futures. Well, I mean, just real quickly, I mean, uh, as, as an industry like the medical field or whether it's um, banking, um, they tend to have this same thing about, you know, we want to change slowly or we don't want to change. Um, why is that? Is that, is that primarily, do you think, because it's just such a monster, it'd be too inconvenient and too costly to change things? Like why, what do you think is going on there? Well, certainly some of it is the fact that, uh, the current industry works, you know, sufficiently well that the, um, financial remuneration is supporting the current model. And so it's sometimes difficult to stop the current model and move to something else. And that's why I like the idea of uh, not having this attitude of, uh, you know, destroy, disrupt, uh, and and, everything just has to be destroyed before we can get anything new. Right. Uh, I think it's really important that we don't disrupt any of the things that are working well in healthcare today. But one of the things that, of course, are not working well in healthcare today is this idea of us as uh, visitors to our health data and non-participants in terms of the follow-on value that's created from health data on a regular basis. Uh, So we have a future where, uh, I mean, right now there's a handful of companies that transact on our data. Imagine if billions of individuals, that's one of the beauties of the built-in, you know, global model is there's so many of us. If we were all transacting, asking, you know, and using a sophisticated search to answer very personalized questions about our health expression and our potential health futures, the um, number of the volume of transactions would grow exponentially and the volume of intelligence created through, you know, using AI to deliver those answers um, would be huge as well. So basically, you believe that there's more upside than there is downside as we move into this world. Absolutely. I think we're living blindly and we're (laughs) scratching the surface. You know, we said earlier, we're no longer accidentally well. And I guess uh, another way of saying that is we're kind of going through life blindly. And that um, put leaves so much health potential on the table and an incredible amount of wealth potential on the table as well. And so I think there is an opportunity here, especially as technology continues to automate, you know, at least the labor employment out of our lives, we're moving into a world where hopefully we'll be able to work hard for less than full time and perhaps spend a few hours a day actually creating health data or training data, whatever you want to call it, such that we can enhance the market attractiveness of our personal data and um, create more and more value for ourselves just through data marketplaces. Well, we have about a minute and a half before we got to close out the show. Was there a thought that we didn't cover that you might want to make mention? 
Yeah, I think we should um, talk about, you know, we talked about AI and AI is certainly the forcing function here. As mentioned, uh, AI is only as good as the training data that's available. And right now, industry doesn't have access to health data. We only have machine uh, disease management data. And I think that uh, as we move forward in this AI-enabled world, it's important to remember that AI is not a tool. And I think Yuval Noah Harari said this well on a recent Lex Freeman podcast, where AI is different in two really important ways. The the first way is uh, AI can have ideas. Remember that the printing press, definitely a tool could document every idea we came up with, but could not come up with any idea on its own. And then the second important distinction is that AI actually makes decisions. And so we, as people, can build atomic bombs, but a bomb cannot decide when to go off or in what direction to travel. AI is different, of course. It makes decisions. And and we need this fire hose of truth coming from the ground to train and course correct AI at the pace of change. And, And so I see this future of mass participation in the form of individuals custodying and self managing their personal health data as an important adjunct to a future that is very much AI enabled. Well, it definitely sounds like a more empowering future, um, a, a future for the individual as well. Um, just just real quickly, before we close out, I would love for you to tell people where they can find your book one more time and uh, in your website. Sure. So the, the book, you can find that on Amazon, Wealthcare, Demystifying Web3 and the Rise of Personal Data Economies. Just Google Wealthcare and Brigitte and it'll come up. Also available as an NFT on Alexandria Labs and OpenSea. Just Google Wealthcare NFT and that'll come up as well. The website is blockhealth.us. And yeah, I think, you know, well, we often hear the words gradually, gradually and then suddenly, you know, apparently Amazon didn't turn a profit for 20 years, but right. with uh, AI, I think this. Well, the biggest company in the world that we talked about will certainly not need 20 years well, to turn a profit. This is it. We got to run. Uh, sorry to cut you short here, but uh, this is radio. So we're going to head out, and I appreciate um, your input. You guys, we'll see you same time, same place. Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. We'll see you.